Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello and a very warm welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence's Compliance Clarified podcast. My name is Susanna Hammond and I'm Senior Regulatory Intelligence Expert here at TRRI. Now, in this fourth episode of the fourth series, we're chatting about all things hybrid working. What we were all bounced into at the start of the pandemic has, in some shape or form, become the new normal, with many, if not all, financial services firms adopting some sort of flexible working going forward. For the discussion on the risk and compliance implications of hybrid working, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by both Lindsay Rogerson and Stacey English, who is Director of Market Intelligence at Theta Lake. Hi, Susanna. Hi, Stacey. Hi, hi, Lindsay. Really great to be chatting with you today. Now, I think the UK's Financial Conduct Authority summed up the global regulatory approach to hybrid or flexible working when it stated... It's important any form of remote or hybrid working adopted should not risk or compromise the firm's ability to follow all rules, regulatory standards and obligations or lead to a failure to meet them. Now, as part of that statement on hybrid working, the FCA codified a risk management checklist, which firms really could do worse than consider as a basis for for a gap analysis as to the efficacy of their continuing approach to governance, culture, technology controls, the whole thing. And equally important is the capacity to evidence compliance in a flexible working environment. And that's no small task. So let's begin to get into this detail. Stacey, let's start with the need to ensure there is appropriate governance and oversight by senior managers, and that governance is capable of being maintained. Over to you. So this latest statement by the FCA really clearly sets out what their expectations are. And I think it's actually a really good summary of what we're hearing from regulators around the world. And, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that governance has to be effective regardless of where staff are working. You know, that includes the supervision, the oversight and and all the controls that need to be in place to make sure that their compliance obligations are met. But of course, it's not the first time the FCA has spoken out about this. If you think back to sort of a year ago, uh, Market Watch 66, they were very clear then reminding firms um, of governance obligations around CIS recording obligations. Again, all that just remain the same regardless of whether we're hybrid working or, or in the office. So, I think you know it's really important that firms are alert to the fact that despite you know the challenges we face the last couple of years, the, the changes in our working practices, you know, it's not going to be an excuse for, for lower standards of governance, compliance, or risk management. But you know, having said that, in practice, it's actually proving pretty difficult to do. Um, you know, we've got firms figuring out the best approach to, to hybrid working, whether they're going to have staff in the office or at home. Um, but what's not going to change is the way those staff are interacting. So they are communicating um, and sharing information in a very different way now. And that's going to continue. So, you know, we'll be using um, systems like Microsoft Teams and Zoom and WebEx and all of those things to communicate. And actually, that in itself creates challenges for supervision and governance. Yeah, it's proving that um, supervising some of the online activity and behaviour is actually a challenge. Um, And some of the controls that were in place pre-pandemic, when we were kind of in the office and we were just emailing each other, um, are not really fit for purpose in this new environment. So it's it's a real challenge for senior managers to have that oversight now. Um, And of course, there are new controls they can put in place, um, but it's certainly uh, something that they're struggling with at the moment. So... 
given the struggles and the challenges, and I'm not going to underestimate either one of those, I mean, more and more firms are having to, and this is part of the digital transformation we've spoken about before, relying on technology and new tech, different sorts of tech. So, Linz, what kind of governance is there around the tech skills? What tech skills are needed? And how do you get those embedded in a firm kind of like yesterday? It's it's a difficult one as we have the technology challenge for firms um, is one that we have uh, it's it's a regular occur regular theme for us on um on the podcast um and it's no less important in in the world of hybrid surveillance and as as to Stacey's point all of your reporting all of your recording all of you know that all of those compliance obligations remain in a in a hybrid working world um and so but it's it's just an extra layer of of challenge and so to go to sort of first principles the you know the board that is signing off the senior managers that are creating and and devising these systems really have to understand you know the technology um you know it's not it's not really okay these days you know we've we've seen several uh advisories from regulators on you know the need for boards to actually understand what they are signing off on and that and that you know so that's an important thing to say here um how you get those tech skills these you know there you know there is a, a short supply um but increasingly the truth is firms are just going to have to make sure that they either offer some kind of training to their non-execs um or they they recruit execs with that technology knowledge but you can't just have the technology net that that's not acceptable either we have seen you know uh we've seen instances where that you know whether the, the regulators have been clear that that is not acceptable it's a, you know it's a board responsibility and the board as a whole has to kind of understand it and i um so yeah so you you, you need you need to be top down you need to under, understand this um I just wanted to come to the point about um, you raised earlier about, you know, we're all we're two years into this hybrid working model now. But the regulators, to a certain extent, have been playing catch up. There was an awful lot of forbearance to start with, but that is that is that is no longer there. And I I just wanted to flag that um, the section section 166s that have been issued in the uh, the first night, so it's first three quarters of 2021-2022, 19 across both the PRA and the FCA have actually been to do with um, uh, controls and risk management. So, you know, to me, that really signals that the regulators are now starting to look very clearly um, at, um, and of course, all of this won't be for hybrid working, but we have seen some platforms fall over in the in the retail space, um, at the uh, you know, um, the retail investment space. We saw um, platforms fall over, and so the, the, you know that that's kind of you know one bit on the technology, you know, and hybrid, uh, you know, uh, that area there. But you know, bringing it back, it you know, the focus will be across the board on how you are monitoring, how you are checking, how you are, you know, uh, re- evidencing your compliance um, in, 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 in this new world. And we're back to it being a challenge. We really are. So, so Stacey, we have our control functions, you know, risk compliance, internal audit. They have to be able to carry out their role effectively, geography neutral. 
So what are we looking at now in real practical terms when it comes to client calls, reviewing files, whatever it happens to be? Where are firms actually beginning to make this? Well, they should have had it for two years, obviously. But where are we with firms saying, well, OK, this is now the way our control infrastructure is designed? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's worth saying that this is more important than ever now. You know, we're in an environment where we've got heightened risks. We know that um, remote staff are being targeted for phishing attacks. Regulators have talked about increased misconduct under stress conditions. So um, I don't think it's it's necessarily the, the move to hybrid working that's um, impacting those control functions because, of course, lots of the uh, organisations operate globally, so you're not always physically uh, in a location for review. But it comes down to really the, the challenges being around the evidence um, and the completeness of the audit trail in, in, a, in this new environment. Um, just the sheer volume of records to review. I mean, just as an example, Gartner predicts that by 2025, 75% of all our work conversations are going to be recorded and analysed. You know, that's a massive amount of of stuff to review. So the sorts of, of, of issues that... Um, risk and compliance and audit are coming up against is, is the capacity. So in practice, you, you just can't review hundreds and hundreds of hours of video or even get a meaningful sample. Um, and knowing that that's a quite a primary way to communicate with customers now, you know, lots of the financial promotions are being done by video. It's absolutely critical to be looking at those sorts of things. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, whereas in the past, you might have looked at transcripts of recordings. We're only now using video and somebody holds something up um, in front of a webcam that's confidential, uh, sensitive information, a transcript's not going to pick that up. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's very tricky to, to identify these risks and things like documents that have been shared or links that have been shared. You, you just don't know what was shared at the time. So some really, really practical challenges that are, are hindering the ability to do those jobs well. And and just going back to that point about you know. Um, the forbearance that we've seen, you know, there has been such a, a marked change really in the last six months. Um, and it really shouldn't come, I suppose, as a, a surprise that regulators are now looking at the robustness of controls because, you know, even six months into the pandemic, you know, they were saying very clearly, you know, the obligations haven't changed. The, um, the how might be changing, but the what hasn't. So um, it is quite a warning sign. And just you know, picking up on that, I think, there's been uh, worth highlighting an SEC investigation, which is looking at um, how firms are recording work-related messages. Of course, in this new environment that we're working in, there's lots of personal devices being used. Um, staff are switching to other applications like WhatsApp. Um, and it's, you know, it's coming to light that actually a lot of this hasn't been recorded um, and we're starting to see fines. And you know, there's even a, an email address set up where firms can self-report you know, any weaknesses they've had. So um, it is uh, under greater regulatory scrutiny, which you know, is all the more challenging for those compliance and risk functions. And, and I think part of that challenge, and we've we've spoken about the stress conditions with the pandemic and so on, which brings us back to the context of culture. And, and you really can't forget culture in any of this. And, you know, we are all adjusting to the fact we're living in, in a recorded world. I mean, the Gartner stats notwithstanding from Stacey's comment, but we are, we've also here in the UK got the Information Commissioner's Office, and that's beginning to have diktats as well about all of this. So, Lynn's context of culture, how are people adapting to the fact that everything you say, do, wave at a video screen is now recorded well, pretty much? 
I, I think it's very much still shaping and and being shaped out. So the um, the Information Commission in the UK had a consultation in that ran from August to October last year um, on various things, and I will put this in the. Um, the various aspects of working in a hybrid world and the implications of it. Um, most pertinent to our conversation are pages 17 to 20 of that document. And I'll put the link in the in the show notes. But it's basically it's 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 um the, the feedback statement is, is what I'm talking about. And so we will expect the uh, IOC says that what it uh, ICO, sorry, says that what it will be um doing is uh, updating its 2011 guidance. Um, but it's still thinking. But it's there are um in that document the the um the ICO is is showing uh two things. What the types of questions that's being asked by by firms and uh, you know what people wanted to know um in the in the responses where they wanted more guidance and also its current thinking. So it's clear in some areas it hasn't really got that far in its current thinking, but it knows it will have to. So, um, you know, um, and there are sections, you know, for example, there's a section on uh, monitoring remote office work, monitoring remote office workers. There, um, there is a, a section on video capture, you know, et cetera, and, um, and camera surveillance and, um, you know, and, and so there, it is, as I said, it's it's not there yet, but it keeps you see this word. We recognise that we need to come up with this pretty fast. Is 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 some various bits of it, and it of course the ICO did um, issue some data protection and working from home uh, guidance earlier in the pandemic, but um, it it clearly knows that this is evolving field, and some of the questions you know um, that uh, people were wanting answers to, for example, is um, if you're video recording. Um, and there is a child walks past, um, less so now in a home, it, now that the kids are back at school and we're not doing homeschooling as well as uh, homeworking. But what happens about storing that that data? So it's it's so it's it's slightly different point I'm trying to make to what Stacey's saying about the requirements to to capture and search and evidence in a video technology world. These are additional considerations that firms are actually going to have to make. And also an, another one here, and um, because we had. Um, on the 26th of January, there was a, a statement on the um, uh, EU digital rights um, and principles um, uh, as well. And so there, the EU regulations are thinking about it. And of course, everybody knows about SHREMS too and transferring data around. So what happens if you're if you're transferring in, in global organization, you're transferring data around and it's, in a, you know, you have to, all of this has to be overlaid on top of what are very uh, strict reporting and evidencing uh, uh, demands from the regulators, and so it's just it's there's an absolute it's an absolute uh, minefield of things that you have to work your way through. And and as I and, and as I to your point, Susanna, when the data privacy regulators are not actually there yet with their final guidance, and so. It is something that firms, compliance departments, are going to have to keep on top of. Um, boards are going to have to keep on top of because it is a move. It's a movable feast, and it's and it's it's moving. And so, I, I'll leave it there. Yeah, I, I would also add in the ICO is currently consulta- consulting on pseudo anonymization, which may be a partial solution to some of the challenges we've been talking about. But again, that's a consultation at the moment. It's not the end game. So it is still a moving feast. Um, so. 
to come completely into the record keeping, which is just so important for firms. And, and, you know, for those of you who've been compliance officers forever, you will absolutely know that if you can't evidence something, regulators will say it didn't happen. Doesn't matter if you did the right thing totally. If you can't evidence it, it, it didn't happen. So, Stacey, for record keeping procedures, I mean, that's everything, recording, storage, retrieval, management, destruction, where are we in what good now begins to look like and how you manage it, the data governance and really the focus required on all of this? Yeah, it is. I mean, completely agree with what you said there. It's absolutely central, isn't it, to regulatory oversight. It's the the bit that enables regulators to check whether firms have met the standards. But, you know, it's also equally important for firms because, you know, they, um, if they're handling complaints or uh, investigations or they've had a GDPR request for, for information, all of these things really matter. And coming back to the point about a, a recorded world, um, you can guarantee that other participants have recorded those conversations, you know, their screenshots or uh, an audio recording in the background, whatever. So really, really important for firms um, to have those uh, that governance around making sure everything's retained. I mean, if it's okay, right, just to pick up on the point about privacy, actually, um, in, and governance, it's really important to be able to redact some of that information because obviously, you know, you're dealing with customers, you'll have all sorts of um private information so account numbers you might be discussing or personal sensitive health information um, and that needs to it needs to be kept as a record so it's there but you you know you need to get that out of the system so that if um, compliance or audit are looking at it they need to know it's there but they shouldn't be actually seeing the actual information so really important control to have there um, I think the important thing to remember here is you know the record keeping rules haven't changed at all you know they whether it's MIFI 2 whether it's GDPR DC rules FINRA rules and um, they all you know still apply um, but what's changed is, is out the sort of record we're now generating that's what's um, changing sort of the governance required uh, ESMA put out sort of a, a quite a helpful statement it was clarifying what um, it considered electronic com- communications for the purposes of its rules um, in there it included things like chat and video and Bloomberg mail and instant messaging but it actually said that we're not going to provide a definitive list because the pace of technology change is so vast and so um, quick that it's going to be quickly become out of date. So it's always being on the front foot of what's the, the latest way to communicate, what are the latest records that are being produced that we've got to actually capture. FINRA too, you know, in the US, talked about things like whiteboards um, in meetings. These are things that we were not really worrying about a couple of years ago, virtual whiteboards. We would just be in an office, wouldn't we? So yeah, there's one part if is is capturing it. The other part is um, good practice is the context, of course, because um, the way we communicate now. If I send you a chat message, or it's likely to have a, an emoji attached, uh, a GIF or an image, or some sort of reaction. I might like it, dislike it, and suddenly, if you know, you start adding on uh, angry faces, thumbs up, winks. You know, that really does change the context of communication. So in terms of best practice and what good looks like, you've got to have the context as well as the content. Um, You know, I'd add also you've got to be able to uh, find those records easily and reproduce them, which when you're dealing with something like a chat conversation, it's not like an email where it's, you know, back and forth. You've got suddenly lots of people involved. You've got cross time zones. They can go over days and go over. And to try and create that, it's actually really complex. Um, so yes, lot, lots of governance needed. The thing I think that yeah, is worth remembering too is that we've got regulators like the FCA 
um, aiming to become a data-driven regulator. So it, you know, it goes without saying that they are going to be asking for lots and lots of records. Um, and we talked a little bit earlier about volumes. Um, and it's really important, obviously, when you, you're giving records to a regulator that you know what's in them. You know, the last thing you want is any sort of surprise is that the regulator finds something, some risks in there that you're not aware of. So um, lots of things to think about, you know, not just the content, definitely the context and, and being able to access them. Gosh, that covers a huge amount. I mean, it, it, it is so important to get right and yet so challenging to get right. Um, Linz, I want to pick up a, 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 on a particular bit, which sort of goes back to ICO to a certain extent. GDPR, which what, what, two, three, four years ago was the topic of the hour and everybody was a, became an instant expert on the general data protection regulation. In this recorded world and in the context we're now living in, I mean, I know UK is outside the EU, but we have said we're going to basically keep GDPR. What are the other wider GDPR issues here? Because that is an overlay on absolutely everything. It it, abs- it absolutely is. And I mean, yes, the UK has said it's going to stay close. There is um, to it. And to, to be to, to be frank, I think that's because they have no alternative. Because if, if, if Europe decides we can't, you know, Europe did this to the US, you know, so it's not, you know, it's not, you know, like they wouldn't do it. You know, if we if we do not stay close, if they have concerns about our, our information security, we, you know, firms will be impacted by that. And so, but I think we are starting to see um, certainly the regionalization of uh, cloud data storage so your 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 data is in your region and i think firms just have to be sure that they have mapped where their data is they have to um know what data is where um and also if they are transferring it you know there are rules and you know and it, and it's you know it's drawing on stacy's point it's like do you need to transfer everything you know what about redactions you know you know all of this you have to just have a policy and 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 which firms do, but you have to make sure that it is constantly under review because because these these rules are, um are changing, you know, and evolving. Um, again, as 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 Stacey noted, but you know, it is something that is not just political. GDPR is 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 a political thing, but it is also, um, people are, you know, increasingly concerned about how their data. Will be used even in a regulate highly regulated work environment where we all sign up to the you know nobody becomes a trader expecting not to be monitored whether that's in the office you know where, where you know obviously they have been monitored for a very long time or whether it's at home you know people have had known for years that their Bloomberg chats are are recorded and can you know be used against them or you know will be assessed and monitored for, for you know we. That's established. The fact that you know the regulators are catching up that that should be WhatsApp, or it could be Telegram, or it could be you know many more of these. You know, firms have to have rules in place. Um, you know, to to that there are that keep pace, that keep pace, so that they you know they they know that they can capture this. They have to be looking. How you know again you know where there's gaps. You know, um, you, you know, it, it, all of this, all of this has to be monitored. All of this has to be, you know, um, looked at because if firms don't and something goes wrong, they're going to have to explain why they didn't to the regulator. You know, it's as, as simple as that. And you always want to be one step ahead of the regulator in the in the surprises 
department. I mean, I have written, gosh, numerous times about chat rooms being discovered effectively and cartels there. I mean, the European cartels have been incredibly heavily fined and those chat room conversations do not shine a happy, shiny light on the firm's concern. They really do not. So yes, absolutely, it all needs to um, come together and upfront policies and upfront strategic approach to all of this. So moving on to, if you like, the next, sorry, go for it. Oh, sorry, Susanna, just just one thing. Yeah, just one thing if I can add there. You, your staff also have to be trained. You know, you have to be able to evidence that you have, you know, trained and your staff have attested that they know what the rules are. They know what they're supposed to be doing. But, you know, to the, you know, to the point about the all the Section 166s that I talked about at the top of this podcast, you know, controls, you know, risk managed controls you know you have to be you know and we've you know we've seen numerous cases where you know that hasn't been the case or the you know um i i think of one particular uh whistleblowing case that i've reported on for for a couple of years the there were floors in the annual assestation process you know the links didn't work you know it was impossible for people to be doing the process um, you know, it, it, it would have taken them about half a day and people were clicking out of it in 10 minutes. You know, all of this stuff matters. You know, you, you, you know, if you if you as a firm, there will, you know, there will always be things that go wrong. There will always be rogue employees. But you as a firm have to do, you know, your best to to capture these people. And, you know, and to your point about the the um, the fines and the European uh, chat rooms, none of it was subtle. I mean, absolutely none of it was subtle, you know. So, um, yeah, but, but you know, it wasn't picked up on. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> and just one point on those chat rooms. They were redacted, but not because of anything that was confidential, just because of the strings of swear words that were in there. So we, we will just, there are other reasons for redaction. Let's put that that out there too. Um, so moving on to, to um, the next iteration of the technology, so the Zooms, the Microsoft Teams, the other collaboration platforms. Stacey, what are the particular concerns and issues with around the, 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 the videoing elements of all of this? Yeah, I think you know, we, we've talked uh, a little bit about you know, the issues um, around uh, retaining the records. You know, these are huge volumes of records you want to retain uh, and supervising just because of the volume, you know, the, the amount of time to, to look at. Um, but I think it's also worth pointing out that these platforms um, and all the different parts of them, so the video, the chat, all the different features that you have in them create so many different opportunities for data loss and data leakage. Um, I think, you know, we've all been in that situation where we've shared the wrong screen. Um, and of course, that's a problem when you've got, you know, someone else's account details up or the HR system or whatever. Um, and it happens a lot. You've got the, the chat messages that are designed to be very shareable um, and they don't have limits on the amount of data you can attach to them. Unlike an email, you could you know, happily uh, attach the wrong file and it's quite a customer database on it. And you know, that's uh, proving to be a bit of a source of data leakage. Um, and these platforms, they're also persistent. So when something comes into it, like a a link and that becomes um, a compromised link, you know, it becomes malware. They stay on those uh, platforms until they're actually removed. So very it's a different type of technology, very different to email and how we've um, operated before. And I think the other issue is not just the, the platforms themselves, it's the 
actually in practice firms use multiple systems so they might have microsoft teams because that's where uh, they're sharing files and they might use zoom because they prefer that for video and then they might use slack because they use that for chat messages um and when you've got a situation where you've got uh departments that perhaps shouldn't speak to each other because of ethical walls or information barriers it's almost impossible to uh enforce that or supervise that without you know being able to look across the platforms you know you can block two people communicating in one but actually across platform to have that view of who's communicating who's sharing information to prevent things like insider dealing is again i talk about the challenges but there are a lot you know and there are things that are starting to come to light and think well actually how do we do this now that we've got all these different platforms so um, they are some of the things i would would pick out thank you um uh, and we're coming back to the wider context in all of this again, because, you know, it's not just the granular detail um, compliance officers need to worry about. It's the bigger picture context with all of this. So, Linz, how does the whole video monitoring piece fit with the wider legal framework? I mean, we have heard some horror stories about you must leave your webcam on at all times. You must be in front of your laptop at all times. I mean, for goodness sake, health and safety, anybody at all? I mean, where are we with the wider, bigger picture on video and video monitoring? Yeah, I mean, I think, I know I'm sounding like a start record, but the existing rules still apply. And so if you, uh, and we did see, you know, it's it, it's understandable in the initial dash to home, um, home working and just actually making sure that you could still function as a business. But, um, you know, we saw some ludicrous, I've, you know, I, I, uh, sent a couple of examples of instructions from employers to employees when they first went home. And it was exactly that. You must be in front of your laptop the, the whole time, visible and, and, you know, and everything. And you could just kind of think, health and safety? You know, you we all know about screen breaks. We all know, you know, and you can't actually mandate that somebody... Well, you can try, but I mean, you know, you have to remember the wider context of, you know, legislation in in, in the UK. You can't, you know, it's, um, so it's just it's just another layer that you have to remember. And I know I've also, um, uh, you know, been told about, you know, companies as they're, you know, sort of like moving into making hybrid working permanent are are looking at things like. Well, this employee only does is only on the messaging chat, like you know, half the amount of time when they're working from home that they are when they're in the office. And you know, at first glance, you might think, well, what are they up to? What are they messaging on on the other days? But actually, you you know, you have to fit it in with well, maybe they are structuring their working week around different types of work on different types of days. And so you you have to be, it can't just be a blanket authoritarian, you know, uh, approach to this. You have to think about the wider picture and the and employment law as well. I mean, that's, you know, health and safety and employment law. You have to think about all of these things as well. And, and as I said, it's not easy, but, you know, that, that's what has to be done. Not only has to be done, but it is an active choice by most firms that we are heading into a permanent world of flexible or hybrid working. Um, and, you know, it should be beneficial all round. We just have to make it work properly to get there. Um, and so on to takeaways for compliance officers. And from my perspective, I have a few sort of overarching pieces absolutely critical that you can evidence compliance. I mean, as we have said repeatedly, the rules themselves have not changed. 
It's just the circumstances in which those rules are operating. So firms have to be able to evidence compliance and evidence it robustly. I also think, and this picks up on several things that both Linz and Stacey have said, you need to retain flexibility of approach because without that, you're going to fall over at some point. You need to have sufficiently robust risk control infrastructures that not only you can continue to evolve and your approach, but let's be frank, there's bound to be another something, whether it's a pandemic or a cyber attack or a something. You need to have that robustness and resilience within your systems so that you can move at pace if you need to and change things. And the last thing I would say is no matter where pretty much you are in the world, you need to expect questions from the regulators as to how governance around hybrid working is working in practice. And I would suggest that your board, in addition to compliance and so on and so forth, needs to be able to answer those questions and answer them very sensibly indeed. So Stacey, takeaways for compliance officers? Yeah, I think I would suggest reassessing your existing systems and controls, you know, particularly around record keeping. Are you, you know, capturing everything in some sort of gap analysis to really see and check, you know, are you picking up all these whiteboards in meeting chats, links, context, all those things? Are there any, you know, any blind spots? Um, so as much as much a question for senior managers as compliance is you know, how are you getting line of sight to your risks? How do you know what's happening? Um online you know across all these volumes so that you know if, if, if there's a gap um have a plan to to address it really and yeah as a, as a former regulator and compliance officer some of this sounds quite scary to me um but you know actually there are there are control technologies that can help you know address volumes and things so there is a a, a workaround there is a, a way to to address this excellent thank you and lynn's takeaways for compliance officers from your perspective Thanks, Susanna. Yes, I think for for me, takeaways, I've kind of covered everything. um, But just to reiterate, you have to set um, hybrid working and and the controls that you put in place around hybrid working. Um, It's not just your regulatory requirements. Obviously, they are very important, but you have to set them in the wider context and you have to consider, you know, all all of the things we've talked about. So the information commissioner, um, the the EU data privacy, um, you know, GDPR, SHREMS, where your information is, um, what you're actually capturing, um, and also the culture. You, you know, you can't. Well, as I said earlier, you, you can be dictatorial, but is it really? You know, your your culture and. And there are crossovers there as well with, um, you know, health and safety and, you know, in, in employee uh, legislation. So just you have to there's so much now for the people at the top to take on board um, and be advised on by the people in compliance. And just thank you very much, Lindsay and Stacey. I think that was a fascinating conversation. A wee bit scary in places about some of the, the depth of the challenges associated with this. But coming back to the point, the rules haven't changed. We've just got to figure out now how you continue to comply with them. Geography neutral. So thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Clarified. As ever, I do hope you found it both interesting and useful. And I'll include links to various pieces and so on referenced in the podcast in the episode notes. 
Now, a cost of compliance survey is still open for this year, so I'll include that link in the episode notes, together with a link for further information on Thomson Reuters regulatory intelligence. Last but not least, as ever, very much appreciate it if you could take the time to review the podcast and do let us know any suggestions for future topics. Thanks for listening. Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.